Every year, uh, our students take a trip uh, to Colorado on a uh, venture called RTA, Rough Terrain Ahead. And uh, as a youth pastor, I got to do that every year. It was one of my favorite weeks. Uh, selfishly, it was one of my favorite weeks. Colorado and just being away and just uh, getting to connect to God. It was just a powerful time when we don't have self-service, when we're uh, focused on, on the Lord. And uh, so wasn't my idea, but I was, I was one of the first to sign up when we had a, a men's retreat uh, this week, a men's hiking trip slash retreat slash just manly bear wrestling time uh, at Big Bend National Park. Uh, but there's been a, a question as I was just kind of thinking and, and talking with God all this week that's been on my mind, and, and it's the question of this, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What are the fears in your life? Uh, and so begin to think about that with me this morning. Uh, I did find out uh, this morning that cats are afraid of lots of things, but uh, I didn't know they were afraid of cucumbers. Did you know that? Well, uh, maybe you should experience that uh, here in this video. So cats are obviously, they have some problems with, with vegetables, cucumbers. Cucumbers are vegetables, right? I think so. What are you afraid of? When we were on this trip this week, uh, we were in big, at Big Bend National Park. Uh, we were driving down the road one day, and the car in front of us stopped, and we, we hit reverse, and we were trying to figure out, why, why in the world are we stopping? And we looked, and oh, first of all, let, I'll just show you a couple of, of pictures of Big Bend. Uh, it's right out the, the, on the border there, beautiful. This is, I think, Santa Elena, Santa Elena Valley or Canyon. Amazing pictures that we had all this week, and just seeing God's glory. There, it is bear country, so there was the, the thought, the possibility that that skill of bear wrestling would, would be required. Uh, there were... Also, there were uh, toilets, too. So I was thankful for that. That was a, a praise uh, for me personally. I'm not a, an outdoorsman, if you will. Um, but we stopped, and we saw this in the middle of the road. Now, no picture can give you perspective on this thing, but here's the, the close-up on the, this monster. Uh, a tarantula, uh, like the size of my hand kind of tarantula. It was huge. How many of you are afraid of spiders? They're just, you, something just went up your back, a shrill just went up your back there, okay? What are some other things that we're afraid of? Maybe just yell out a couple of things for me. Snakes, roaches, how about small spaces, sharks maybe, uh, open water swimming, girls. <laughs> That's a good, stay that way forever. Stay that way forever, Jordan. Uh, there are some funny things that people are afraid of. I think there's a phobia for everything. Let's see if you can guess some of those things. You know, like arachnophobia is spiders and claustrophobia is small spaces. What about some of these? See if you can guess them. Uh, here's one, for example. Some of these words, if you get to pronounce these, try to pronounce these with your neighbor and see if you can, who can do the best. I don't know. That's the fear of... Cats, uh, there you go. Some of you have that. How about this one? Try to pronounce this word. It looks like a Russian word. Is that what someone said? Yeah. This would be a recent phenomenon this week. It's the fear of Friday the 13th. All right. How, how about this one? I think this is pogonophobia. Pogonophobia. Fear of pogo sticks. That is not close at all. Um, someone else? Any guesses? 
All right, it's the fear of beards, okay? So if you have a bearded one next to you, and just give your best uh, look there. How about this one? I think this is disposophobia. Disposophobia, maybe? Sure. This is the fear of getting rid of stuff. Uh, my mother has this fear. How about this one? <laughs> I think I can repeat that. A fear of Kardashian. Is that what you said? Of a Kardashian? I, ho- I think that I heard that. All right, we're getting... How about... The, it's, some of you have this. Fear of cockroaches. Okay. How about this one? Banana phobia. Banana phobia is actually the fear of bananas. Yes, there we got woo, we got one. Yes, the fear of bananas. How about this one? Omophobia. This is a real one. This is the fear of belly buttons. Some of them are very disturbing, okay? There's like this cavern, a grand canyon of things. How about this one? Right there. The fear of long words, appropriately enough. So what are your fears? Now, I want to invite you to do something, something that I've done. First of all, I have a journal now. I'm growing as a person, uh, and I'd like to share that with everyone. But I started this list, my fears, and my journal here. And I, if you have a worship folder with you, I just want you to put my fears. Okay, you can like cover this up if you're really afraid of what others think. Uh, but you can start this list today. Maybe you just want to write a few things down that you're afraid of. This is just kind of, you know, just between you and God and in your worship folder. Uh, some things that I've written down, things that I am personally frightened of. First of all, I am very afraid of snakes. All right, I'm just going to confess this to you. I hate snakes. They just, <gasps> Indiana Jones is afraid of snakes. So can I, okay? When I see a snake, it's like a shrill that goes up my back, okay? Even like the smallest snake. And I'm 37 years old. I don't care what you think of me, all right? Uh, I'm not going to pick up a snake. I'm not going to have a snake in my house, all right? Just don't like snakes, all right? Something else that I'm afraid of, this is the first time I've ever confessed this, but I'm afraid of dancing in public. I won't do it, okay? I, it's just not in my body, all right? I'm like Elaine from Seinfeld, all right? There's just a lot of things happening, all right? Or that scene from Hitch, when it's like, just keep it in a certain place, and the, the you know, the, this is not in me. I'm not going to dance. At, I just, I am scared to death. I just know how that's gonna turn out, okay? Uh, I am very frightened of heights. I don't do heights. Okay, I do roller coasters. I've even jumped out of a plane. I know it doesn't make sense, but when you're on top of a very high, high place, and it's just like a stable place that's even it's it just just gets inside of me, and I start to look around, and there's just fear overcomes me. When there's motion involved, when there's a roller coaster involved, yes. But when you're standing, we we did a um, Ferris wheel in Chicago at the, uh, the, the 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 what do you call that the Navy Pier, thank you. I nearly like scratched a hole in Melanie's hand because we were in this, oh, so frightening. What are your fears? Just write some of them down as we go here uh, today. Those are ones that jumped to mind. Did you, do we see the video of the, did you show it on the screen? Oh, when I watch this kind of video, have you seen these people, what they're doing on like high places? <gasps> Woo. 
Yes, yes it is. If you could do that, kudos to you. I'm never going to do anything like that. We all have fears. Uh, We all have them. Some of them are natural ones. You know, I think it's okay to be afraid of snakes. I think the Bible even tells us we should smash them with our heel in uh, Genesis. Um, There's some exterior things that are kind of safe. You know, it's not a bad thing to be afraid of heights and not get on top of buildings like that, okay? It's kind of a, a good safety for us. But there's some things that are not healthy. There are some things that are limiting to us. And I, I think that God, he really doesn't want us to be fearful people. And uh, Paul writes a letter. And if you've got a Bible with you this morning, 2 Timothy is where we're at this morning. And it's in the New Testament. And uh, he writes to this letter. Paul is actually in prison right now. And he's writing to his protege, uh, Timothy. And uh, he, Timothy is the leader at the, the church in Ephesus. And uh, he's writing to to, to talk to him and encourage him. And we're really getting like a, a kind of a peek into a private moment where this letter is being exchanged, not just to Timothy, but the church there. And so that's where we're at in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And this is what he writes to Timothy. We're going to start with verse 3. It says this, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly rem- remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God, has, God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Here's the key verse for today. For God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Can we repeat that all together? This is a verse that we should all memorize. It's the verse of the day. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I love this moment. This is a great moment. Have you ever had just an, an us moment? This is a we moment. He's not saying you shouldn't. He's saying we shouldn't, us. As a family, as a people, throughout the Bible, it talks about these we moments. We are ambassadors of Christ. As Christ followers, we. Have you ever had a, a family moment, like when you're talking to your kids and you say, we don't act that way. We don't talk that way. This is who we are. We're Hawkins. We're Sanders. We're Whites. We're Andersons. And this is the way we live. This is the way we act. This is what Paul's saying. As Christ followers, this is who we are. We do not, as God's people, we do not have a a spirit of fear and timidity, but we have a spirit of power, of love, and of discipline. And that's the word for the day. He keeps on talking to Timothy, and he says this, and maybe you can pick up on Timothy's fears. You can hear it as as Paul's writing to him. He says this, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Are you hearing some of the fear that Timothy might have? And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer for me with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and has called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it. That's what's called grace. But because 
That was his plan from the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. And now he has made us this, made all of us of this plain to us by appearing of Christ, the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immorality, immortality through the good news. So what are some fears that you hear? Fear of physical suffering, maybe, for Timothy? Maybe the fear of, of rejection? The fear of failure. You hear some of those other fears. There's a verse that I grew up uh, learning as a, as a teenager, 1 Timothy 4, 12. Do you remember that? It's the first letter Paul writes to Timothy. And, and he's addressing some more of this. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. You remember this, right? But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. So as we are writing in our journal today, maybe there's some other fears that come to mind. There's been some fears for me that sometimes creep into my life and my heart, and I don't want to admit it, but they're there. Sometimes I have the fear of failure. First of all, I hate losing. I hate losing. I don't want to fail. It's there. It's present, and it just creeps into my my life sometimes. Sometimes I have this fear of rejection. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want someone to to disagree with me or, or to not like the way I do certain things. Sometimes I have just the fear of, of conflict with other people. Just so, and I avoid it, when, even though it's necessary and I need to have conflicting moments with someone or moments where we just disagree. Maybe you have some other fears that come to mind that you would write down today. Maybe the fear of, of abandonment, of being lonely, afraid of the future, afraid of death. Maybe you're a fear of, of harm or fear of the unknown. Maybe there's a fear of intimacy that you have in your life, of trusting others that are there. And what I've found is no matter what you're writing down right now in, in your worship folder, the things that are coming to mind, that, that we all have fears. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what place in life you are in. We all have fears, and we all face them at different points. And maybe they look a little different. And so there's this easy place for us to kind of try to avoid anything that makes us afraid, to avoid anything that potentially might be awkward or just to play it safe in life. And so we take this path, path of least resistance to just not stir the waters, to kind of create these maybe even bubbles, these safe zones that we live in, and they become ruts. I like this, this, this quote from uh, Henry David Thoreau. He says this, The path of least resistance leads to crooked rivers and to crooked men. Because the effects of fear, they are real. We can try to ignore them. We can try to numb them. We can try to, but, but they're there. John, or Jesus tells us about this in John. And he says, listen, there's a, there's a thief that's out there. There's someone that's out to destroy you. And he's come to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And what fear does is it steals your joy. It takes away your joy and it replaces it with pessimism and cynicism in your life. It takes away and destroys your peace. Fear destroys peace in your heart, in your life, and in your family. It replaces it with worry and with stress. And it kills our confidence. It kills our confidence in, in ourselves and in, in, in God. And it replaces it with doubt and uncertainty. And it leaves us in a hopeless place. I was reading Max Lucado uh, this week, and uh, 
He's just an amazing writer. And as I I read a quote, and sometimes if you've seen it, just a quote just just jumps off the page at you, and it it just speaks straight to us. And this is what spoke to me as I read it this week. When fear shapes our lives, safety becomes our God. When safety becomes our God, we worship the risk-free life. Can the safety lover do anything great? Can the risk-averse accomplish noble deeds? For God, for others, no. The fear-filled cannot love deeply. Love is risky. They cannot give to the poor. Benevolence has no guarantee of return. The fear-filled cannot dream wildly. What if their dreams sputter and fall from the sky? The worship of safety emasculates greatness. Just, Just germinate on that for a second, what fear does to us. I wonder... Have I ever worshipped safety? Have we ever worshipped it? Just been comfort in these, these zones that we live in. I wonder if there have ever been opportunities that I've missed to build the kingdom or others. I wonder how much time I've spent worrying about what others think, worried about what could happen. Fear prevents us from being all that God has called us to be. And that's the big picture today. God has big dreams, big plans, big hopes for your life. But if we live in these bubbles of fear, we will never be what God has called us to be. I was with a friend a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's kind of a mentor friend of mine from out of town, and he is a, is a pastor at another church, and, and I've kind of tried to surround myself with some, some mentors like him and just spending some time with him. We got to spend, uh, some, spend some time playing golf, which is always a good thing. And uh, we're playing, getting ready to play golf, and he gets this phone call. And it's one of those horrible phone calls that you, you don't want to get. And uh, it's a situation in his church, and it's one of those crisis situations. And it wasn't a life or death physical thing, but it was one that would really potentially just shake up a church, and it just kind of a horrible situation. And I'm watching my friend process this. I'm watching him go through and, and the phone calls that he was making and the time that he was spending, and, and then we, we play golf. And I'm just thinking the whole time, if this was me, I would be just, just stressed to the max. I would knee-jerk react on certain things and just... Just fear and would, would just grip me in that moment. But I could tell immediately that wasn't his reaction. And I was just sitting right beside him. I didn't try to pry. I'm just there just witnessing this. And he is just calm, and he's collected, and he's processing. And I, eventually, we're, we're playing golf in the middle of this, and he's just able to operate in the midst of this situation. I said, man, how are you doing this? How, how are you able to respond this way? And he said, listen, Matt. And he, and he referred back. There, there's a situation I went through with my daughter. And she was going through a faith crisis, questioning her faith. And she was doing some things that were, were harmful to her life and, and to, harmful to what God had for. And the stress was beyond measure. I, I, I couldn't take it anymore. And I don't know if you've ever felt that kind of stress for your kids. You just want to jump in. You want to just control. He said, I realized that I could not carry it. I couldn't do it. I wasn't physically able to do it. 
It was just too big for my shoulders. And I learned in the hardest moment that I couldn't, but God could. And that is applied in every situation. And I think back to those moments and say, God, you can in those moments. And we have to be able to do that, to be able to trust God in those places. Why? Because God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear and timidity, but he has given us what? A spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Parents, question. What do you think is the most repeated command that you give your kids? What is the thing you tell them? Because obviously we repeat things over and over again, right? What is it? Just shout them out. I know this is a change up for the service. What's that? Stop. Just stop. Something else. No, don't do that. Listen. Take a, if you have uh, boys at junior high, take a shower. It's important, by the way. Axe is not a shower, okay? Something else. How about clean your room? Clean your room. Don't pick on your sisters. Don't stick that in your nose. What is the things that you, maybe you repeat? We repeat things, don't we, as parents? And, and it seems like that this is the one that God repeats to us the most. As a, as a father, you know this is mentioned like over 300 times in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. And what is Jesus? Jesus says this command in the Gospels about 125 times in some different forms, this command or this imperative Don't be afraid. Take courage. 125 times that that's mentioned. Well, 125 times that he gives commands, sorry, I want to give you correct information, 21 of those times, correction, is about do not fear. You know what the second most is? Because that's the most. Eight times he says, love God and love others. Okay, that's, you know, another one. And I don't think there's an order that, okay, we've got to place one above the other, but just realize that this is important to Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Why is that so important? Why is that so important for Jesus? It's some of the things we talked about, what fear does to us. Now, here's my theory. How can we combat this? How can we fight fear in our lives? And that's what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. But here's something. My theory is this. There's a direct correlation between your level of fear and your level of faith. Okay? When your faith is strong, then your fear level is down. When your fear level is up, your faith level is low, okay? Now, that might feel feel critical to you, but just think about those moments in your life. And maybe there's a certain area that your faith is so low and your fear is so high. So how do we fight fear with, this this is so simple. I know that this is simplistic today. How do we fight fear? with faith. We fight fear with faith. And when we look and we have these moments where we just feel like the stress level is high, the fear level is high, stop looking at the problem and stop looking at our own strength. There is these group of Psalms that are in, you know, Psalms in the Old Testament. There's, there's a ton of them, but from 120 to 134, there are 15 Psalms and they're called the Psalms or the Songs of Ascent. And every year, the folks, the Jewish people around the area would go to Jerusalem for three major feasts. 
the Feast of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And Jerusalem was actually located on top of a hill, Psalms of Songs of Ascent. So as they're making their way to Jerusalem, they would sing these songs, these 15 songs and psalms. And they would begin to sing them as they are ascending up to Jerusalem. Some would even say there's 15 steps, this is one theory, to the temple, and every time they would take a step, they would sing a new song. 120, 121, 122. So check those out today. It would be a good thing to follow up on as you think about these psalms. Because here's 121. Let's look at that today. It says this. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from who? The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. So when fear arise, we should turn our eyes to the mountain, turn our eyes to the maker of heaven and earth. And this seems like simple advice, but if any of you have played sports before, what's the, 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 the number one rule you teach somebody in a, any kind of contact sport? Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. Focus. And what's the, the thing that we forget the most if you're playing any kind of contact sport? Keep your eye on the ball. It's the thing that you just, come on, keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the Lord. When the heat is turned up, keep your eye focused on the Lord. We will grow in our faith when we do that. When we will grow in our faith also when we recognize God's presence in our life. When your kids are afraid or scared, when you run to them, what's the first, one of the first things you say? I am here. I'm with you. I'm here. Don't be afraid. That's what God reminds us. That's what Jesus reminds us, that my presence is with you even when it doesn't seem like it is. In Joshua 1, 1, 9, Moses, this person that was so pivotal in the story of God, he dies. And God comes to Joshua, and he says, Joshua, you're my man. You're going to be the one that's going to lead now. I'm going to use you as, as a leader. And his response is, of course, natural. It's out of, he's afraid. And what does it say in Joshua 1, 9? This is my command. This is God speaking. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When we recognize God's presence in our lives, our faith grows. Why? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Sometimes fear comes in the place, in, in the way of evil. And we have seen evil this weekend, haven't we? We've seen evil around the world at different times. And it's appropriate that there is a term that's used now for the, 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 the evil that we saw, terrorism. At the heart of that word is terror. That fear would be used to coerce others or to intimidate others. And fear has come in a foreign land, but we haven't just seen it in France. We've seen it in other places. We've seen it at home. We've seen it in our homes because evil is in certain homes. We've seen it in certain situations. And when evil shows up, we look evil in the eye and we say, no. We'll not be afraid. We will not react in fear. We will act in love and in strength and in discipline that comes in the presence of God in our lives. 
So this morning, let's just take a few seconds. As our world has certainly been rocked, let's just take a few seconds and pray for those who are in the midst of a a fearful situation in France. God, you're so good to us, Lord. I pray for our brothers and sisters in a foreign land today. Lord, we pray for those who are mourning, who are have lost so much today. God, I pray for a church that is meeting right now in Paris. They're worshiping just like we have been worshiping, Lord, and their eyes are turned toward you. And that's our prayer, Lord, that people would turn their eyes toward you in this moment of fear and that faith would rise up. Lord, I pray that as Christians, as Christ followers, we would respond when evil comes to our doorstep. We will respond with love and with courage. We would turn to you in our darkest moments, and we would lean into your strength, God. And that's our prayer for our brothers and sisters across the pond today, Lord. God, be with them. Lord, I ask that you would help us all to have courage as we look evil in the eye in the coming days and not to be intimidated, but lean into you, Lord. That's our hope today, Lord. We praise things in your name. Amen. I love that story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when there was this moment where Nebuchadnezzar says, listen, bow down, or you're going to go into the, the flames. You're going to go into the furnace. And what did they say? Listen, you can do whatever you want to to us. And our God can save us from these flames. But if he chooses not to, we're not going to bow down to you. Why? Because God, the one and the spirit that lives in us, is greater than the one that lives in this world. He is greater than the one that lives in this world, and we serve a good God. He is faithful to us, and our faith grows, and Paul knows this. He tells this to Timothy, when you see it in the lives of other people around you. What does he say? Remember what he said in that, in the letter? He said, remember the faith in your grandmother. Remember Lois? your grandmother. Maybe there's a person in your life, maybe it was a grandmother that showed you faith and courage and strength and discipline. Maybe your mother Eunice, he says, remember that faith in her? Remember what that looked like? Have you seen faith in other people? Statistics tell us this. When our kids, especially the ages of 15 to 18, when they see faith in other people, their faith grows. They stay in the church when they see more and more people living it out. In fact, it's, it grows one, two, three. As you're, the more people that are in their lives that are pivotal people, that are mentors, that have given them a, a picture of what the kingdom looks like, the chances increase for them to stay in the church and to, to continue relationship with God. You know what that tells me? There's a big, big responsibility as a community that we all have, Right? I'm feeling this responsibility as a dad. We were on this trip, and uh, Luke gave a devotional, Luke Sanders, and he was talking about how dads, you know, we have this burden to be providers and provision, to, to, to supply provision to our family. And we think about that, we think about supplies and goods and things. But the provision is not just about a house or food or transportation or clothes on your back that we should provide our kids God has called us to be leaders in our homes, to provide a vision, provision of what the kingdom looks like. Dads, when I read that story and I hear a mom and a grandmother, and that's amazing, that's fantastic, and we've had women in our lives that, that are like that, have provided visions. Guys, don't miss this. 
our greatest responsibility, our greatest call is to be providers and provisioners of what the kingdom of God looks like. And for me, I had a great dad that gave me a vision of what the kingdom looked like. He showed me, and, and, and I really kind of feel like his philosophy was, you know, to catch, not necessarily teach, but to, to catch the way that I live, and we should do that. But there should be an intentionality to our teaching as well. And that's where I feel like, guys, we have a great group of guys that are in this church, and we need to rally behind intentionality in the way that we teach and lead our families, not just caught, but taught as well. And I feel like that, that is the, a call in our lives and as a church as well as a community. And as I, I kind of process all that this week, what God wants us to do with this, uh, the last thing I, I thought about was, can you imagine a life? What could God do with you if you didn't live in fear? If you didn't live in, in a bubble of fear and just stay in that place, maybe there's something God's been calling, to you, calling you to do for a long time. And you've just kind of stayed back because you're just afraid of what others might think. Maybe of failing. Maybe of just not working out the way you thought it would. And you just kind of hold back in that moment. There was, a, or as we're on this trip, the last day was, was maybe my favorite day. Uh, at Big Bend, there's the, the place called Emory Peak. It's the highest peak in the park. And uh, here's a picture from a distance there. And I know you're, you might Google it and say it's like 7,800 feet, almost 8,000 feet. In Texas, that's like Mount Everest, okay? Uh, it's huge. I mean, think about Texas, how flat, it just, it was a huge peak uh, that's, that's there. And it was a, about a 5.3 mile one-way climb to get there. Okay, so it's a pretty good climb, especially for those, not I, of course, out of shape people, uh, but uh, it, was, it was a pretty serious climb, and it was, it was a cool thing to, to, to put on the, the last day. Um, so we, we start this journey up, and uh, we start walking up, and as we get closer, we actually run into this guy, and he tells us, hey, he just kind of pointed to the top, and he said, listen, I just need to tell you guys, the last 20 feet is pretty dangerous. I mean, you can get up to the top, and that's great, but when you get to the top, there's about 20 feet that is just... I mean, it's basically straight up, and it's, it's some serious kind of climbing there, and if you don't have ropes, it, it's very slippery, and if you slip and fall, he said, most likely it's about 100 or 200 feet before anything's going to grab you, okay? And so immediately when I'm hearing that, I'm going, you know, you're just kind of having this conversation in your head, and you're like, hey, 20 feet from the top is pretty good, okay? That's, I mean, five point whatever, my, I mean, that's pretty good stuff, I, you know, and I'm kind of working my way, trying to encourage the others, you know, talking to Luke, hey, uh, you know, that sounds pretty dangerous. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I'm not going to go do anything crazy up there. And so we're kind of, I've already settled in my mind that that is a great spot to be right there, about 20 feet from the top. But then something happened. Levi and Luke just start to climb up to the top, okay? And of course, here's the next picture. Uh, and there they are on top. And this is me below, and there's something that just kicked inside of me, okay? There's no way that I'm going to let them do that alone, okay? I don't care. I'm not looking down. I will climb, and I just made my way up. Look at your hands. Look at your feet. Keep going. Press forward. You can do it. 
fear just grabbing my body in another place. Uh, the way down was even scarier. But here is the view from the top of the mountain there. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. There wasn't a flat spot there. There's boulders all around, and you're just grabbing hold of anything. But it was an amazing moment. And, and one of the things that I, it really pulled, me, pulled out this week for me is just this, the simple phrase that you've probably heard before, iron sharpens iron. We push each other to great things. We push each other sometimes out of our comfort zone. And I have seen that in, in amazing ways. Paul is trying to, hey, Timothy, you have a gift. Fan it. There's a coal inside of you. You have spiritual gifts. Don't let those things go unused. Don't let fear trap those things, but fan that coal into flames and to use it for the kingdom of God. And as I look around, I am seeing that everywhere. I was just at a coffee shop the other day, and people I don't even know, there's college kids all around. And I watched these two girls. One girl, you just tell, I just just kind of, as people are all around, she's just a pretty confident girl. And she has a girl that's not confident at all. I didn't have to be a psychologist to read body languages. This girl was scared to death just to be in public. And this one other girl, she began to just introduce, hey, here's my friend, here's my friend, here's my friend. And then she had a Bible study with her in the middle of the coffee shop. She introduces her to other people. And you can just see the countenance of this shy girl begin to change. I've seen it in places like my sister and friends like the Medlins who were saying, you know what? It's not easy to foster kids. It's actually pretty hard. And there are a lot of fears that go with it. But man, God's called us to do it. And we're going to do it. I see it in my friend Landon who's taken a season to not just kick for a team uh, at his high school, not just kick for himself, but actually to kick footballs to raise money for kids that are battling cancer and cancer research for, kid, for, for kids that are there. And he's almost raised, he's just about $900 short of $25,000 in one season. Yeah, it's amazing. Iron sharpens iron. And hey, I bet if you wanted to contribute to that, I bet you could. You can talk to Landon after church today. I see it in Celebrate Recovery Leaders who have had hurts and habits and hangups in their lives, and they are living transparent lives. I'm not going to be afraid of what others think anymore. In fact, I'm going to help other people get to where I am now, where God has freed me, and you can have freedom as well. I see it in my friend Steve, who said this weekend, man, he was a challenge. I was afraid of leading a life group, but I know that God called me to do it, and I'm going to do it. And he stepped out in this last year and is leading a life group. And maybe others of you who have joined a life group are afraid to connect to others, afraid of others to see me, who I am. Maybe that's the next step for you. We had a cool life group moment a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're, we're sharing prayer requests, and we're, we're talking about things that are happening in our lives. And, a, and one of our life group members shared a, a personal moment. My buddy Scott, in just the middle of the life group moment, he says this. I, I just feel my heart beating fast. And I, I feel like I have sweaty palms. I just know, I know that we're supposed to pray right now. And I don't want to resist this moment because God is kind of talking to me to do that. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where your heart starts to beat fast. 
you're afraid. You're, there's sweaty palms kind of moment. You, you know what he's, you can just pick up with Timothy here? He's ashamed. What does it say? Ashamed of telling other people about the gospel. Maybe that's one of our biggest fears as Christians. Sharing your faith. Do you know this? That if you would invite somebody to church, they do this, this study. If you invite somebody to church, they did a study of non-churchgoers, non-Christians. 31% said they were very likely to come. 50-something, 51% said somewhat likely they would attend a church event. Not likely at all, about 18% if they were just asked. Some of us go to work every day and no one knows that we're Christ followers that's there. What's God calling you to do? What, what are the sweaty palms, kind of heart-beating moments for you where there is a next step and you're afraid, but God's saying, take a step, take a little step. Maybe you look around the world today and you're scared to death and you're just living a life of safety and protection and I just, hey, you take care of you, I'll take care of me and we'll just kind of live in this place of safety. That's not who God has called us to be. We are not a people of fear and timidity, but we are a people of power love and self-discipline. That's our call. That's who we are as Christ followers. So today, I don't know what your fear is. I don't know what next step God's calling you to, to take today, but I know he's not calling you to stay where you're at in your fear. We oftentimes, uh, Garen and I, we'll, we'll look at a series. We'll kind of put songs together. This works perfectly. That didn't happen today. I was out of town and there was no but man, it just seems like God has just meshed songs today. And I, I looked last, last night, and uh, there was a song that just seems perfect for our ending today. And as we sing it today, I pray that you sing it triumphantly. I pray that you will look to the mountains today. You will look to God, whatever you're facing, and you will look with faith over the one, the maker of heaven and earth, the one that has given us grace and love, the one that is with you today. Would you join me in singing this, this anthem for us today as we celebrate a God that helps us overcome fear and live triumphantly for him? You can stand and sing with us.